Hey, Retrospectors, for our third birthday, we've filmed an hour-long Q&A answering your questions. We discuss our favourite facts, how we make the show, and what we've learned along the way. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, thank you. You can watch it right now at patreon.com slash retrospectors. And if you're not a Patreon member, sign up. You don't have to pay a thing to become a free member and watch it now. So check it out. It's free. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's September 25th, 1878, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was today in history that the world didn't wake up to the dangers of smoking, despite the efforts of Dr. Charles R. Drysdale, who had a letter published in the Times warning that smoking is a practice deleterious to health and vitality, noting that a contemporaneous experiment on dogs had caused the poor animals to lose appetite, to have diarrhoea, swelling of the gums and loosening of the teeth, which was followed by palsy of the hind leg, blindness, deafness and death. But 19th century smokers were largely immune to his warnings, with many continuing Continuing to suffer terribly from palsy of the hind legs. <laughs> Most crucially of all, Drysdale's letter stated, the irritation of tobacco on the tongue and of pipes on the lips causes a form of cancer, which, as far as I, my research can tell me, is the earliest ever stated link between smoking and cancer. Because and I'm sure we'll get into this. People for hundreds of years have been saying, basically, smoking is gross and bad. But no one had ever formally made that specific link until now. And it would be decades from now that the link with lung cancer was first published. Yeah, and basically a century until people were actually taking this seriously and thinking, oh, I'm not going to smoke cigarettes anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Drysdale had been banging this drum for some time. So he was a senior physician at the Metropolitan Free Hospital. He was from a kind of medical family. He and his brother James were both quite unconventional, unconservative uh, medics and religious free thinkers who had been writing on a wide variety of topics. And he'd been saying this exact thing for years. He gave a talk of the same name, Tobacco and the Diseases It Produces, at Manchester Free Trade Hall in March 1873, in Exeter Hall in London in May 1873, and in Guildford in 1875. And he produced a pamphlet of the same name. So he was building up to this letter to the Times for five years. I'm a medic. I've got this experience. I've got this evidence. I've given this talk all over the country. Smoking causes cancer. And nobody gave a sh- yeah, I mean, it's amazing the number of things he got right. He pinpointed that nicotine was the dangerous agent behind, say, damage to lungs, the circulation system, and even the skin. He was even warning against exposure to secondhand smoke, which is very ahead of its time. He said, yeah. women who wait in public bar rooms and smoking saloons, though not themselves smoking, cannot avoid the poisoning caused by inhaling smoke continually. Surely gallantry, if not common honesty, should suggest the practical inference from this 
fact. So he knew that this was a thing that would harm others around you, not just yourself. If there was something that Drysdale wasn't afraid to do, it was telling people things they didn't necessarily want to hear. The year prior to this, he had become the first president of the newly formed Malthusian Society. And the name, possibly deliberately, obscures that its actual purpose was to spread awareness of and access to contraception. This is in the 1870s, so still a pretty touchy subject. One of the co-founders was his partner, Alice Vickery, who was a women's rights campaigner, one of the first female doctors in the UK. And they were never actually married, although lots of their friends and social circle assumed they were. They both privately believed that marriage was legal prostitution. They were both involved in the Legitimation League, which campaigned for equal rights for children born out of wedlock. They were advocates of free love, which I think now is inevitably associated with images of 1960s orgies, but originally referred to the fact that there were actual legal obstacles against unmarried couples and their offspring. Free love, the free part, was removing the state from people's sexual and romantic Mm. lives, not actually advocating everyone just wife swapping in the streets. I mean, part of the reason why a lot of the anti-smoking efforts of the Victorian and even the Edwardian eras failed was because they'd kind of, the people who were against it lumped in all sorts of maladies that actually weren't necessarily attributable directly to smoking, including things like, well, the things that were true, like lip and throat cancer, um, but then things like deafness or like mental and moral paralysis. These ideas that, that just really didn't captivate people in the way that this is going to give you a tumour in your lungs that will kill you ultimately really does pack a punch including drysdale himself before we pardon the pun blow any more smoke up his ass uh, (laughs) it is worth looking at this racist but funny moment from his pamphlet (laughs) quote let us remember the history of the modern turks who were once the terror of christendom from the fierce energy they possessed by abjuring the effects of alcohol but who have become lazy lethargic and effete Not, I suspect, because polygamous, since polygamy is confined to the rich, but solely because they have abandoned themselves more thoroughly to chronic nicotism than any other European nation. I'd love it when people are very clearly writing for their own audience. And he's like, and I know what you're thinking. It's because they're polygamous that they're so effete. But you couldn't be more wrong. I think the whole idea of the mental and moral paralysis really taps into a much older anti-tobacco tradition. Going back to when it was first introduced to Europe, one of the earliest famous dissenters was James I. He hated the new craze so much he published his own pamphlet about it called A Counterblast to Tobacco in 1604, just after his accession. And the pamphlet famously decried it as a custom loathsome to the eye, hateful to the nose, harmful to the brain, dangerous to the lungs. But the key thing is that his distaste and that of lots of other early opponents was really rooted in just a dislike for tobacco and then they sort of attached possible negative medical effects to that. It's kind of the random accusations that were levelled at any kind of suspicious novelty in the pre-scientific age. But also the king, having disliked it so publicly, then leads, and this is what happens in England, isn't it, then leads to a class schism where it mm. becomes something that poorer people do. What was quite interesting about this era where Drysdale's writing to the Times is that readers of the Times, the upper middle classes, bank managers and so on, are the people that are now smoking tobacco. And that's the the rise in demography, isn't it? You know, he's Mm. seen people down on the dock smoking it, but now people are presenting at his hospital who, from his point of view, are the kind of people who have views on the Turks and why they're more lethargic than they used to be. You know, this is now cutting across all society. 
But regardless, they were kind of fighting a losing battle anyway. And the battle was really against technology, which was making it incredibly cheap to mass produce cigarettes uh, for the broad market. And in 1883, WD and HO Wills of Bristol began using this revolutionary new device called a Bonsac machine, which was a cigarette rolling machine. And it's regarded as one of the most critical dates in the history of tobacco in the UK because it could roll 210 cigarettes a minute or 20,000 cigarettes in 10 hours. So cigarettes just started to be produced on this industrial scale. And it's fascinating. I saw this graph showing the percentage of smokers of cigarettes, cigars, pipes, and then also chewing tobacco and snuff over the years. And there's just this massive explosion of cigarettes which completely dominate the market after the invention of this machine, where prior to that, it's really chewing tobacco and cigars that are the primary uh, ways that people ingested tobacco. Yeah, well, this is the tragedy, isn't it? You know, he's, he's coming out and saying the thing that turned out to be the thing. And not only does everyone ignore him, but he's pushing against a door that's closing on him. You had mass cigarettes being manufactured, as you suggest, and by 1919 in the UK, cigarettes were the most popular type of tobacco. Shag tobacco had kind of disappeared. And then, of course, right about that era, you have the war. And, you know, squaddies taking comfort in their affordable addictions. And then you have the 1920s and and Hollywood and advertising and glamour. And cigarettes suddenly were desirable and sexy, not just something that people smoked in factories and something that women smoked as well. So it's just like growth, growth, (laughs) growth, growth, growth. (laughs) It was as early as 1912 that an American doctor called Isaac Adler suggested a link between smoking and lung cancer. That was the first time it had been done. But much like Drysdale's intervention, it didn't really seem to make any particular waves. Where the anti-smoking movement really took hold in the end was in Germany. In 1929, Mm. a German physician called Fritz Lickens had conducted a study that appeared to confirm the link. And that made Germany the hotbed of anti-smoking awareness and I think we often hear the sort of simplified oh Nazi doctors knew the dangers of smoking but no one believed them because they were Nazis the truth is a little bit more complicated you know the the movement was there before the Nazis came to power although Hitler did personally dislike smoking and many of the public health warnings by the Nazi doctors were actually completely correct it was strongly discouraged for good Nazis to smoke you know you were saying about people speaking to their own audiences Rebecca You've just given away the web forums that you spend time in. <laughs> oh, we, we often hear the thing about, oh, yeah. Nazis were right about smoking, but then it was covered up because they were Nazis. Literally never heard that before. All the things you hear about how right the Nazis were on stuff. <laughs> look, 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 guys, I'm anti-Nazis, but I'm pro-smoking. <laughs> but the real turning point, at least in the UK and the US, probably came in 1957 when the then Surgeon General Leroy Burney re- reported a causal link between smoking and lung cancer. And that was 1964. So as I say, you're getting on for a century after this letter, aren't you? Yeah, it's also amazing that when you consider the obvious obfuscation by big tobacco to try to break that link that we now know so easily between like the way he's picking cancer. his words carefully, Rebecca, just in case we have to turn back on that big advertising deal with Benson and Hedges. Right. we get that pink Philip Morris sponsorship? I'm not above it. Depends what the price is. I mean, I wouldn't smoke, but if I was going to smoke, it would be a Marlboro Light. Yeah. <laughs> They're just so smooth. Now... This episode first aired last year exclusively to members of Club Retrospectors. Join today and unlock a new episode this Sunday. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors!